South Matabili land in southern Zimbabwe. Uh, I almost want to pause and let the interpreter say it for me. I was with rural people who lived like they lived in Texas a hundred and some years ago. No electricity, no running water. Who knows we're blessed to live in the 21st century in America. But love God. This particular tribe doesn't need drums. They've got acapella singing like you've never heard. I mean, at night the place was packed. During the day the farmers couldn't come because they have to guard their gardens from the monkeys. Yeah, apparently they don't mind if an American hunter wants to go over there and shoot a family of baboons. It doesn't bother them. Be kind of like somebody, you know, killing a bunch of rats and it making the news. That's, that's basically what it's equivalent to. 
I did find some safe ways to repel monkeys from your garden if you have that problem. If you're growing tomatoes, grow some red peppers by them. And when they bite into one of those, they won't touch the whole patch. Also, get some dead fish and put it out around the edge of your garden. A monkey will touch that and rub his hands raw trying to get the smell off of it. And when his hands start to bleed, he'll leave because that garden makes your hands bleed. There's some other ways too, but they're not legal. Um, one is to trap a baboon and wire a whistle in his mouth, and he will run till he's dead trying to get away from that sound, and all his friends will follow him till they get lost and they won't come back. See, if you just kill one, what have you done? So you get them all ran off, but that's illegal, so that'll get you in trouble. Don't, don't try that. Have you found 1 Peter chapter 2 yet? We're in a series on our citizenship as believers, how are we to live? We've learned that we are citizens of heaven and earth, the United States and the New Jerusalem. When we're born again, we are translated, the Bible says, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And so we've looked at today is the sixth passage of Scripture that deals with our functioning as heavenly citizens on earth. How should we live? He says in verse 11 of 1 Peter 2, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, as nomads, as aliens, as foreign folks, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Don't give in to desires that will bring destruction in your life. It will destroy your relationships, destroy your families, destroy your health even. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or the unbelievers, that when they speak against you, who knows, people will speak against you, as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, on Judgment Day, they're going to be some of those folks giving glory to God because they got saved due to your witness. Your reaction when they were persecuting you convinced them that there is a God Convince them that faith is real, and your conduct backed it up. Verse 13, therefore, because of that, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. I think it was Ben Franklin that said, uh, obey the laws of the land. And people ever since then thought the Bible says obey the laws of the land. No, this is the actual verse. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So if you chose to live in a HOA neighborhood, you're supposed to be cooperative. Can I get an amen? I know that's painful, isn't it? Whether to the king as supreme or to governors, that's people that reign under the king, supreme authorities and then those who serve with them, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. So in this context, a police chief would be king, and the policemen and policewomen would be the governors sent out by him to bless those who are doing good and to punish those who are doing evil. Uh, the, sheriff, the sheriff would be the king and the deputies would be the governors. You best do what they say. Can you imagine America without any police? The anarchists would take over. I know it's popular to believe that man is basically good, but that is not the message of the Bible. We are wicked, evil, depraved people, who need a savior. Until that, until that happens, we need laws to keep us 
in safe places so that we can see our need for a Savior without fear of death. So to governors, to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, we're free. You know, we're citizens of heaven. We're going to live forever. Yet, we don't use our liberty, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, as a reason to sin, but as bondservants of God. Honor all, everybody, honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear or respect, not only to the good and gentle, well, it's great when you got a great boss, isn't it? But also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? For when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should also follow, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. This is the principal verse for the uh, WWJD fad. Remember that? It was popular for Christians to wear rubber bands that said WWJD. What would Jesus do? This is the verse. He left us an example that we should follow in his steps. And here's his steps. You don't have to guess. It's not a riddle. What would Jesus do? Here it is, right here. Who committed no sin. Oh. No was deceit found in his mouth. Oh, no lying, no gossiping, no deceiving, no slandering. Who, when he was, was reviled, did not revile in return. So when you're getting reviled and someone says, well, what would Jesus do? It's biblical. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. So there's the steps. Stop sinning. Don't be deceiving with your mouth. When revile, don't revile in return. Don't, re don't be vengeful. And when suffer, don't threaten. You know, just wait till God comes back. You're going to fry. You know. Be like Jesus who committed himself to him who judges righteously. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Later on, into your hands I commend my spirit. And this is what else he did, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For we were like sheep going astray, but now have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Let's pray. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would hear your heart for us today how to be American Christians or Christian Americans, citizens of heaven and earth. Show us how to live from your word. Motivate us, renew our minds, change our thinking, and line us up with your will. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the subject, our citizenship must be honorable. Can we say honorable? The word honor means high respect or great esteem. It means to highly value. 
The word honorable means to be worthy of honor, to be worthy of being respected or esteemed. You may not be getting any respect. I get no respect. Remember that comedian? I get no respect. I found my picture in the phone book under the word ugly. Anyway, it was the dictionary. But to be worthy of honor, whether or not you feel like you're honored or not, our lives are to be honorable. We're to honor the Lord with our possessions, Proverbs 3 says. The fifth commandment tells us to honor our parents in Exodus 20. Jesus Christ and Paul emphasize this command themselves in Ephesians 6, Matthew 15, Mark 7, and Luke 18. The law itself in the Old Testament gave us a command to honor the elderly. The New Testament in 1 Timothy 5 says we're to honor widows who are really widows. One day, Romans 2 says, God will honor those who pursue good. In honor, we are to prefer one another. Romans 12 says, and chapter 13 says, we're to honor everyone to whom it is due. Gary Smalley wrote an amazing book called The Gift of Honor. I recommend it to you. It's some amazing stories of people honoring those who were not worthy. But that would be a whole nother sermon. Today we're focusing on our citizenship. Our earthly citizenship must be honorable. All of us should be honorable in our conduct. We just read, beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, as aliens and nomads, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe Glorify God in the day of visitation. Number two, we must honor all government ordinances. Can we say all? Now, obviously, if a government ordinance is to stop worshiping God, we don't obey that one. But the vast majority of our nation's laws do not impede our faith. We have to observe them. Without them, the highways wouldn't be safe to drive on, would they? They're dangerous enough as it is. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise and for the praise of those who do good. So as Christians, we are to be good citizens. We're not to be a pain in the neck to law enforcement. We're not to be an annoyance to those that are governing us. Now, our voice must be heard, obviously, you better vote and function as a citizen, but to be slandering and spreading things that you have not fact-checked needs to stop. Needs to stop. Number three, God views such honor as being his will. Verse 14 was what we just read to governors, those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. Verse 15, for this is the will of God. Yep, it is. And having lived in other countries, you best abide by those laws too if you're living there. Honoring like this will silence ignorance if you're faithful at it. It will. That by doing good, this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You ever want people to zip their lip? Keep being faithful at doing good and they will be, every time they talk, they'll be exposed to all that know them that he's a liar, she's a slanderer. 
Some people don't have a backbone to tell them, but don't get frustrated. Eventually, somebody's going to tell them when they've done a really deep hole. Now, I'm sounding like I'm being vengeful. No, you pray for those who despitefully use you. Why? Because they're going to need it. You reap what you sow. Number five, our honor must be extended to everyone. Everyone is worthy of honor. Honor all people, verse 17. Love the brotherhood. Refear God. Honor the king. Can you say everybody? We're to excel at honoring. We're to excel at honoring. So even to the point if an official comes that we don't care for, we still show respect for the office. Some of my peers on Christian TV have done some really dishonoring things over the years. Broadcasting news about someone's sin who was in public office. That's just not right. It's like God needs some help to deal with people's sin. He doesn't need my help. Number six, we should even honor the dishonoring. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Now, we don't have servanthood in this culture. We, obviously, uh, the great commandment and the golden rule drove slavery out of our culture, but slavery exists all over around the world. And if a person is a believer and they're a slave, what they're to do if there's no hope of deliverance? This is how they're to live. And it applies to us as employees that we're to be submissive to masters that are great, but even if they're not great, we don't know why they're cruel. Maybe they had a bad day. Maybe uh, things are going bad at the house. Maybe they're just an idiot. But give mercy. Give honor. Why? God is watching. Number seven, those who honor like this will be blessed. Verse 19 and 20 of this chapter. For this finds favor. The New King James that we read, this is commendable. The word for commendable or favor is the word carice. This brings grace into our lives. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. God will give you grace when you're being treated bad. I heard a man that quit his job, put his family in need because he got mad at the boss for mistreating a fellow employee. How dumb can you get and still breathe? Boy, he really showed him, didn't he? So when we suffer unjustly, we want God's grace, don't we? Whether we're unjustly suffering or justly suffering, we need God's grace. Verse 20, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? You best do so. For if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with my first job in Texas after uh, getting married and starting a family, my boss hired a foreman who wanted me gone. Lady hired someone else who wanted me gone. On both occasions, I just kept my nose to the grindstone, stayed humble, didn't defend, defend myself, but remained dependable. And over the course of time, both of those men on two separate occasions, they were gone. Those who honor like this will be blessed. Honoring the dishonorable, the hard to honor, and honoring those that are easy to honor. You will be blessed. 
Who knows, your boss may be testing you to see if you're leadership material. Because to be a leader, you got to have some thick skin, don't you? And if you're a whiny baby, he or she's not going to give you any kind of authority to entrust their, a stewardship of their business to. You might cuss out a customer if you can't handle a little pressure. So show them how Jesus lives. We should all honor our Lord's example because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Yes, you may have been not told the whole truth when you became a believer, but the whole truth is the Christian life, yes, the abundant life includes our eternal life, but in this temporal life, it also includes some suffering. Can I get an amen? It's true. You don't have to name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it, kill it, and chill it, put it on your, pay, your, your refrigerator and say, Lord, where's the suffering at? It's going to happen. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In the world, you have tribulation, Jesus said. So our example is to follow in the steps of the one who suffered for us. I love how the New Living Translation says this. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. And here they are. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He had integrity. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. And number five, he left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Lord, I know you know I'm going through a season of injustice, but I trust you. I trust you with this situation. And I'm going to walk in your steps. So it's more than a rubber band on the wrist. It's a step-by-step lifestyle. We should all honor our Lord's example. Husbands and wives should honor one another. Look at this, the next chapter. Keep in mind what we've been reading. Wives... Likewise. Like what? Like Jesus. Wives, likewise. Now, husbands, don't go jabbing with your elbow, and your turn's coming next, and you don't want to jo- at, get jabbed at yourself. So, and this isn't something for you to beat your wives over the head with. This is between your wife and your spiritual father-in-law, God the Father. I thought he was my father. Yes, he is, but he's also your wife's father, all right? So here you go. Wives, likewise. Like what? Like Jesus. Walking in his steps. Walking in honor. Likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Not somebody else's husband. Your own. What does that mean, be submissive? Let him be the leader. Let him him make some decisions. Well, I don't trust him. Well, let him grow up. Give him room to make some mistakes. Be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear or respect. You know know how the vet handles me? She strongly believes the promise in Proverbs, it says, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he wills like, like water. And so when she stated her case, and we're not in agreement, she backs off and said, Lord, I submit this to you. 
my husband's hand is in your heart. She gets out of God's way. Forty years later, something's working. All right, verse 7. We're in 1 Peter 3. Husbands, likewise. Like what? Like Jesus. Like believers, citizens who are called to walk in honor. Husbands, like your wives. Likewise, dwell with them. Who's the them? Your wives. With understanding. Giving honor to the wife. Well, I want to get some respect first. No, you lead the way. You're the leader. Give honor first. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. You want your prayers answered? Yes. You want God saying, talk to the hand. I know this one by experience. The husband's like the tin cup. You can throw it down no matter. But the wife is like fine china. And when a husband honors his wife for who she is, God will hear his prayers. Maybe your unanswered prayers isn't the devil. It may be God saying, talk to the hand. So when we humble ourselves and likewise honor our wives, dwelling with them with understanding, instead of, what were you thinking? Help me understand. Goes a long ways. Goes a long ways. Verse 8. Finally, all of you, this is everybody, this is point number 10. We should all always honor one another highly. Finally, all of you be of one mind. Can we say unity? Having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. This starts in our marriages, but it goes beyond our marriages to our community of one another. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Remember Jesus' steps? He didn't revile when, when he was reviled. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Who, who wants to be blessed? You bless those who curse you. You don't curse those who curse you. Someone shoots you the finger, say no thank you to your proposition and move right on. No, I'm teasing. You may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, when a believer does evil... He or she always has a reason. But you know what? Our reasons for doing evil as men or women hold no water in the eyes of God. He sent his son who died a cruel death for us and lived an example for us and conquered death for us and ever intercedes for us and is our high priest and our Lord and expects us to begin to grow up spiritually. This is some meat for somebody. So that our reasons for staying mad for a long time doesn't hold any water. Well, doesn't God get mad? Yes. You know what the Bible says? His anger is but for a moment. Aren't you glad? Man, we, we would have fried already by now if his anger lasted as long as some of ours. For who is he who will harm you if you 
become followers of what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're renewing our minds, that you're taking the crookedness out of our steps that you're raising up the low places and you're lowering the high places, that you're straightening us out, that you're conforming us to the image of your son. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters that are going through unbelievable suffering beyond imagination, slander that we're experiencing. I pray, Lord, that they would hold the course in Jesus' name. Our citizenship must be honorable. And that means when we're upset, what do we do? We pray. Pray. It's impossible to do what I just preached without prayer. Tonight is a prayer rally at Hewlett Park, which is not down by the library or where the library was, but it's by the conference center. And multiple congregations are meeting to pray for our nation. Who knows? Our nation needs some help. When I came back from Africa, I stopped in and saw my parents, my father and stepmother, Mama Shirley, and I love her to pieces, to visit with them. And on the way there from the airport to their house on an Uber driver, my, my driver had been in the nation for two years from Venezuela. You talk about somebody happy to be in America. A journalist, and he had a unique perspective on things that I wish the nation could hear. He thinks this, this multitude of people, it's like the children of Israel marching through the wilderness, our direction. He thinks there's something behind them related to their governments wanting more aid from us. So they're strong-arming our government for more aid. Who knows what's happening? I know we need to pray, right? We need to pray for wisdom for our leaders. We need to pray for ourselves, for our leaders. I'm all about being compassionate to the stranger and the alien the Bible commands us to. But a government's job is to protect its people. To compel us to be compassionate, I don't think is God's will. God loves a cheerful giver. Freely we give compassion. The people going out this afternoon are doing so freely, not because someone in government who lives in safety with security guards everywhere uh, is sending us, right? And so our government needs wisdom to know what to do to protect us as well as to enable us to do our job as a church. So here's some pastors locally that are promoting this event tonight. Jesus said, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Jesus wants his church to come together. And he's not talking about an individual church on a corner. He's talking about all of his church. So if he says that when two or three come together in his name that he is with them, I wonder what would happen 
if all of the church of Hood County came together to pray. Well, the current climate in America is that of division and hurt, and there is a sense that our foundations are being shaken. You can see it in the almost animalistic antagonism from every direction. You can see it in uh, the debasement of human sexuality. You can see it in uh, the instability of the home, most of all. Estamos viviendo tiempos peligrosos. When the scripture talks about when we have issues of hostility, when we have trials and temptations, we are to turn to God. We are to turn to uh, and pray together as a family. We are the people of God who, whom God expects to come together and, and intercede, not just for our own communities, our own Christian communities, but for the world. So that we're asking God to get involved. We're asking God to unify what's been divided. We're asking God to heal what is hurting and we're asking God to be our firm foundation again. Eh, debemos de orar por nuestras familias y por aquellos que están eh, en esos, eh, viviendo en esta nación. The churches of Hood County should gather together to pray for our nation because it signifies that we as a people not, are not only loving God but are obedient to his commands. He has said, if my people which are called by my name to humble themselves and pray. We love this nation, we love God. It's just that simple. So come to the One Nation Under God event, a worship and prayer gathering of all the churches in Hood County, Hewlett Park, November the 4th, six o'clock. Be sure to bring a chair and maybe even a blanket. Thanks. If you've not voted already, please. Vote responsibly on Tuesday. Do some research. We live with the consequences of our elections. Please participate as a citizen. Walking in honor, no matter what the results are, we're not going to stop honoring. We're not going to be faithful, unfaithful. Amen? Let's worship the Lord some more and express our love for Jesus.